0: Well, we got to talk about Arkansas and Alabama basketball tomorrow, but what happens if Arkansas wins? And also what happens if they lose? What just happens? You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Locked On Razorbacks Podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from one to four on 1037 the Buzz and 1037 thebuzzcom This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com/slash locked on today to get started. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Friday as you finally made it to the weekend, or essentially have made it close enough to the weekend. But Uh, hopefully it's going to be a great one, which we'll of course talk about a little Razorback baseball and, uh, also talk about some sec coaching changes that happened in basketball just earlier today, but we got to talk about Arkansas and Alabama minus the Brandon Miller situation. And this one is a, uh, is a game that I think most people have circled early before the season started with the home and home between Arkansas and Alabama, high expectations for both teams. Uh, Alabama has been living up to those expectations. Arkansas has been dealing with injuries, but they're trying to climb back into getting those high expectations. But what a uh, what an interesting game this is. You go on the road to Tuscaloosa, where Alabama has been pretty flawless. Uh, they've only lost four games this year. They've only lost one game in conference play, and that was on the road to Tennessee. The other games they lost to, UConn, Gonzaga, and Oklahoma. That's it. And I'll admit, I'm pretty impressed by Alabama and not only what they've been able to do this year on the court, but also just the schedule that they had in the non-conference. You know, you think about it, they they beat Michigan State, UConn, North Carolina, Houston, who's a really good team, played Gonzaga but lost, also played Memphis. That was all in their non-conference schedule. Those are really good teams, really good teams, high-profile teams. And it's kind of hard to give them credit, though, because like Michigan State was number 12 at the time. Well, they're not ranked anymore. North Carolina was number one at the time, and we know that they're frauds. They're not any very good. Uh, Houston is definitely a a huge win, and they won that one on the road, too. So they've been pretty impressive this year. Pretty impressive. It's not anything that's false. It's not anything that's like, oh, they haven't played anybody. No, they've taken care of business. They've done a really good job of it. And in their final three-game stretch, they have a tough one because they have Arkansas, of course, coming up Saturday then Auburn at home, which we always know is a big rivalry game. And then at Texas A&M, which could end up being a winner take all when it comes to the SEC regular season. So really tough games in front of them. And they barely scraped by against South Carolina in overtime. If one for Brandon Miller going for 41 points, uh, they would have lost that game on the road too. So really good team. I still think they're the best team in college basketball, just given the resume and the way that they play and, and everything to go along with it. But Arkansas is coming along. They're starting to hit their stride at the right time, and we know that Arkansas, with under Eric Musselman, always seems to play their best basketball when it comes to being at this point in time of the year. So the question becomes, and I thought this would be a good way to kind of talk about it in this perspective, because I think we did this sometimes in football season. But the question becomes, what if Arkansas wins this game, and what if Arkansas loses this game? What's the impact? What does it mean? What all goes into it? And I'll tell you what, I'll start with the negative side because it's kind of shorter. <laughs> but I'll start with what if Arkansas loses this game to Alabama? Well, if they lose the game, I think it depends on how they lose, for one. If Arkansas gets blown out of this game, it's definitely a huge bummer and a, uh, you know, not exactly a confidence boost and morale or anything like that. Basketball games happen, but if Arkansas got beat by 15, 20 points, uh, it would be. Quite a disappointment. But if Arkansas lost this game by five points, you know where going into the final minute, minute and a half in the game, the game is still in doubt, but Alabama just made some free throws or made a play and Arkansas was unable to get it, whatever that may be, but ends up being a really close game. If Arkansas loses that way, it is what it is. You're not expected to win that game. It's really hard to win road games in the conference in general, but especially against one of the best teams in the country, it's really tough. But if you perform well, if you give it a, if you give them a run, if you you know have a back and forth, making it really fun in that regard, I think that it can at least continue to build some confidence for Arkansas fans saying, you know what, they're getting there. They're getting closer. And also for the team themselves to get into that raucous and rowdy environment going up against one of the best teams in the country to say, all right, here's the parameter. Here's what we expect. Here's what we've seen. Can we take it to that next step? And can we be better from it as well? So that's what happens if Arkansas loses. No one expects them to win. I don't think anyone's going to predict them to win. And if you lose this game, it's not going to impact your net ranking in any sort of negative way. It's not going to impact your NCAA tournament uh, seeding in any way. It's really not going to matter. Like, it's not going to change anything. The pressure's all on Alabama in this game. And I think that they... Both teams have a lot to play for, but Alabama, if they're still trying to solidify that spot as a number one seed, maybe even the number one overall seed, depending on how the regular season ends, they know that they have to take care of business and have these games. And if you wonder, well, okay, one seed though, what does that really mean? Well, put it this way. If you're a number one seed, especially for the number one overall seed, you get to choose where you end up playing your first round of games, or at least your first uh, two rounds of games in those locations, in those regionals. And Bama I don't know if you heard this. They have a regional in Alabama and Birmingham. That'd be like playing a regional in Rogers. So it's like, yeah, if Arkansas was doing that, they would definitely do that. So Alabama's going to do that. So they have a lot at stake when it comes to these games too. So if Arkansas loses, doesn't change anything, doesn't, I mean, again, if, as long as they don't get blown out, you know, that would be a bad look from beginning to end, but that doesn't change anything. doesn't change how they feel or anything like that. It's just, uh, it's something that will just say it's expected and you keep on going. But the big question, at least the big talking point, though, becomes what if Arkansas wins? What if they win this game? Well, first off, I will be so obnoxious and so ridiculously over the top on social media that I will probably get banned or I'll at least uh, have people threaten to fight me. That's probably what's going to happen. I'm going to be crowing a lot. So that's only if Arkansas wins. But that doesn't matter for anybody else. What does matter to that, if Arkansas wins this game, it turns the tide, pardon my pun, completely for when it goes from, okay, Arkansas's playing well. They look scary. They could be scary. They could do these things if they get it going. If Nick Smith does this, like it becomes from that to all of a sudden, okay, they've arrived. They're here. Yep. This is the team. This is the team that people are thinking that they would be. And that is the signature win to really just wake up the entire college basketball landscape and say, yeah, Arkansas must, they're back they're back with a vengeance too. It would be that type of win. It would also bolster you when it comes to how people would be looking at you in the NCAA tournament and seeding. Depending on where you're looking, Arkansas can be anywhere from an eight to a nine to even a 10 seed when it comes to the bracketology across all of college basketball and the experts. But if you're able to beat Alabama, in my opinion, that puts you up to at least a seven seed. At least, because then you have Tennessee on the road and you finish the season off with Kentucky at home. Both of those teams, NCAA tournament teams, to which people start seeing, okay, well, if they beat Bama on the road, they can absolutely beat Tennessee on the road, and then they can absolutely beat Kentucky at home. So therefore, if you win those three games, it starts to bounce you up a bit to where you could be flirting with that six seed, maybe even a five seed. It just changes the game when it comes to the people that view you as a college basketball team, and you're able to pull off something that nobody has been able to do so far this year, and that's beat Alabama. At their place, you know, beat Alabama and a team that is scoring at such a high clip that is really good at three point shooting. That's really good at rebounding. You know, they don't have a whole lot of flaws, but you would really arrive. And especially if it was on the you know shoulders of a Nick Smith, great performance, which it's going to take more than just Nick Smith. But if he was able to continue on and build upon what he had against Georgia, then it would just wake up everybody to start really, really believing. And I think that it would probably send all of you and probably myself, it's so Razorback fans, into a wild frenzy when it comes to the expectation now moving forward. Because suddenly, if you beat Alabama on the road, I'm going to start. Oh, they'll be, oh, that they can be Tennessee. They'll be Tennessee. Yeah, they'll be Tennessee on the road. Oh, Kentucky at home for sure. Hey, they could even win the SEC tournament. Could happen to get the right matchups. Could happen. And then suddenly you start building this self until like, now they could be a pretty high seed. Not only that, but they could be a team that ends up in Houston once again for the final four. Now, whether that's right or whether that's wrong, whether that's smart, whether that's dumb, who cares? But that's the way that's going to be approached if they win this game, if they beat Alabama. Because, again, as much as I've I've had Alabama fans after me and getting in my mentions and everything, as much as I don't like Alabama, as much as I don't like Nate Oates, as much as I don't like the situation with Brandon Miller, I respect them as a basketball team because they are really, really freaking good. And they have earned every bit of the success that they've had, as well as the like they are deserving of being a number one overall seed. If they get to that point, like they are, in my opinion, the best college basketball team in the country. So I give them nothing but respect. But it just seems like this would be that game, that win for Muss here in year four that catapults him and gets him everything going. Because if you think about it, in the past two seasons. You know we'll look at the elite eight runs if you remember correctly there was always those wins those wins that must would have to where it would just be like okay yeah they are there for real now this is a real team with that has real success they're they're going to be fighting for something you got to watch out for them i think back to uh the first time they made the elite eight run they had that great stretch of games in college basketball in the college basketball season but uh, they were able to win some games that a lot of people counted them out for. In fact, I was somebody who counted them out because there was, again, goes to that whole struggling at the beginning of the season and the conference slate, and then it uh, comes a little bit more frustrating and whatnot. But if you remember correctly, uh, Arkansas started beating some good teams, but then they went on the road and beat Kentucky and Missouri in those back-to-back games, which at the time, you got to remember, Missouri, they were the number 10 team in the country. And Arkansas went on the road and won that game. Kentucky wasn't as good, but winning at Missouri was a huge win because up until that point, Arkansas, their only SEC wins at that time had been Georgia, who was bad, but Auburn, who was bad at the time, Vanderbilt, who was not good, Ole Miss, not good, Mississippi State, not good, and Kentucky wasn't good. So you didn't really have that big win, but then you won at Missouri in overtime, and then that changed the game because then you beat Florida, and then you beat Alabama, who was number six in the country at home. You remember that one where uh, old Petty got ejected, and it was so funny. Then you beat LSU and South Carolina and A&M and Missouri. And then it just kept going on and on and on. You kept having this big-time success. There was that one win that just started everything, and it was usually on the road. It was usually on the road against a high-quality team or at least an NCAA tournament team. And the same thing kind of happened last year too, if you remember correctly, at least on the road, when you got it going, was that LSU game when they were number 12 in the country. Now, that was earlier in the season, but you just turned it on after that. Your only loss after that in SEC play, well, you get two of them after that. Bama on the road by one, which you got screwed in that game. And on the road against Tennessee, you only lost by four, but you still were able to beat Kentucky, beat Tennessee, beat Auburn at home. Those were all home games, but it was about that road game, that big marquee quality, high quality road win that set it off. This could be it for Eric Musselman in the Razorback basketball team. This could be that game. This could be the game to where Now you're ready. Now you've arrived. Now you're taking it to the next level. Do I expect Arkansas to win this game? I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't. It's, again, so tough. They're so talented. I expect it to be a good game, a, a close game. But Bama's really good, and I think Arkansas is still slowly but surely getting back into the mix. But can Arkansas win? Absolutely they can. They are talented enough, and they are good enough and they uh, have definitely some elements and abilities to where they can win this game. So if Arkansas wins this, I'm going to start believing in not only Arkansas being able to finish the regular season strong, beat Tennessee and Kentucky, I think would be absolutely realistic options, maybe even making a middle run into the SEC tournament. You know, it's tough to do that as well in Nashville, but I'll start believing that, yeah, this team is going to get back to, at minimum, the Sweet 16 Definitely possible to make it to the Elite Eight. And not out of the question to make it to the Final Four. It's going to be that type of win that'll get everything going in motion. It's not going to be easy. Again, I'm not predicting it. But that's what happens if Arkansas wins. So let's just hope I'm wrong. Which I don't really hope very many times. But definitely hope I'm wrong in this one. Folks, it's the midway point of the NBA season and we know it's the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book because new customers get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And it's not just the NBA. They also have college basketball that you can get involved in on there too. And it's very easy with the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained, all the different player props that you could have when it comes to the NBA and college basketball season. And it's honestly one of my favorite things to do is the player props because I feel like I can call those a little bit easier than I can the spreads because basketball is pretty unpredictable at times, but players usually are pretty predictable in most cases. But that's what FanDuel allows you to do. You can use all of the different types of betting when it comes to player props to win some money. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine all of your bets and for a chance to bigger payout for the same name parlay, which parlays are always a lot more fun, has a bigger payout, less money it costs, but high risk. High, or I guess I should say low risk, high reward, but that's what makes it so much fun. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Razorbacks. Your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. A little SEC basketball news. I wanted to bring this up. Uh Kermit Davis, the uh Ole Miss basketball coach has officially been fired at Ole Miss. Uh he is just he's gonna have an interim uh coach from Win Case, which cracks me up that his name is Win Case. I think should have been like an attorney or something. Am I right? Am I right? Oh geez. I'll, I'll stop. Anyways, yeah, uh, he was uh he was fired from Ole Miss today. And I actually like Kermit Davis. I really did. I thought he was kind of a, a fitting, I thought he was a fitting dude for Ole Miss. I thought that you know, where he was from and the fact that he played at Mississippi State, and he's from Mississippi, it seemed like it was just going to make the most sense. And especially the success that he's had in college basketball. Uh, but it just didn't work out. You know, when he was at Middle Tennessee State, he was there from 2002 to 2018. Like he was there a long time. And in that regard, he was you know always struggling there in the beginning. But then he really got it going, uh, made it to uh, the NCAA tournament for the first time in 2013. And then made it to uh, the round of 32 in back-to-back years in uh, 16 and 17. And then in 18 in his final year, made it to the NIT second round. But at a place like Ole Miss and with connections and everything, hey, let's bring him in and see what happens. Well, in his first year, he did make it to the NCAA tournament. They lost in the first round, which I actually forgot about them making the NCAA tournament that year, but they did back in 2019. So uh, they, they did miss out uh, on the next year because of you know, that whole COVID thing that happened. Then they made it to the NIT, and then the past two seasons – no postseason whatsoever. They fin- he finished 10 and 18, 2 and 13 in conference play this past year and it made sense that in year 5 they wanted to make a move. So, uh again, I hope that he gets, you know, another place. He'll get another opportunity. He is 63 years old, but uh definitely a coach that's had a lot of success and seems to be a, a pretty good guy. But it's it's crazy because I was thinking about just the SEC basketball uh landscape in general when it comes to coaches and even before the year started, I was looking at and I'm like, you know, Carmen Davis is probably the only one that will really be in jeopardy of losing his job because every other coach in the SEC is one, either brand new, because I think there was five or six brand new SEC basketball coaches this year, or the other ones are having such a high level of success that uh, they were just like, okay, well, we're not going to fire you after even having one bad year. But it's crazy now that uh, Rick Barnes, and, or I guess I should say Calipari for sure, Parr and Rick Barnes are kind of the you know, guys that have been there forever. Bruce Pearl's been at Auburn there for a while too. But the point is, is that nobody's going to get fired after this year besides Kermit Davis, and that's very rare when it comes to conferences, especially major conferences, especially in high-level college basketball. Because if you think about it, uh, you had Todd Golden at Florida. It's his first year. Mike White at Georgia, his first year. Uh, Matt McMahon, his first year at LSU. Chris Jans, his first year at Mississippi State. Dennis Gates, his first year at Missouri. And then Lamont Paris' first year at South Carolina. So you're talking about six SEC – six of the 14 SEC coaches are in their first year. And then after that, you still have some pretty relatively new coaches because in 2019, that was kind of the last class of coaches that came in where Nate Oates was hired at Alabama, Eric Musselman was hired at Arkansas, Buzz Williams was at A&M, and uh, Jerry Stackhouse was hired at Vanderbilt. Uh, 2018 was when Kermit Davis was uh, hired, but he's, of course, been fired. And then we talked about the guys that have been around forever. So there's not really going to be any changes in uh, SEC coaches, at least as far as firings go, after this year besides Kermit Davis. But I saw uh, my buddy Aaron Torres tweeted out about, oh, man, if if you wanted wanted to look at maybe a guy like Chris Beard at Ole Miss, that would be a good job for him to try to get back into the good graces. And I'm like, dude, stop. We can't can't have all these great coaches in the sec. Okay. Bruce or Chris Breer does not need to be at Ole Miss. Ole Miss does not need to be relevant in basketball. Just sit over there, but Ole Miss is a tough place to win in college basketball. And that's the thing is like, I think the sec is really up their game when it comes to uh, college basketball coaches and uh, what they've been able to do, because let's be honest, Alabama and Auburn, for instance, have been extremely irrelevant college basketball programs for at least pretty much my entire lifetime. Like they would have a few good years here and here, here and there, but until Oates and Pearl got there uh, and started doing their thing, the, they really just now became into relevance, which is so funny when I saw like those Auburn fans that would talk trash to me and they're like, oh, check out our banner, our final four banner back then in 2019 or whatever. It's like, yeah, you had not had any since like 1995. I'm like, you just took a picture and there's one banner. You have one banner. That tells everything you're about, you're about as a college basketball program, but still, that's the thing is like, yeah, they've upped it, but there's still places that are, I think like Georgia's a really tough place to win. South Carolina's tough to win. Mississippi state and Ole Miss are both tough places to win. Again, they've had some success, but it's just, there's are tough places to win. I think Vanderbilt's a tough place to win. Jerry Stackhouse, I think he's doing an all right job, but still that's tough to win at. And then like, those are the ones I feel like those are the jobs in the sec that are, I'm not saying they're impossible or like, you'll never be good. And they'll always be terrible. But those are the jobs that I'm like, you have a ceiling. Like getting to an NCAA tournament, maybe making it to a a few rounds or two, like maybe that'll work. I know South Carolina went to a Final Four randomly, but that was like an exception to the rule. But those are kind of like the limited programs and only have so much money, so much facilities, so much recruiting, so much everything that they'll actually invest, that they're kind of stuck there. And then you kind of have the next tier of coaching jobs uh, in the SEC where they are good, or at least they have been elevated or better, but still don't really know uh, if it's a sustainable success or even those coaches would stay there. I feel like Alabama and Auburn are both in that regard where uh, it's not it's the programs haven't made them good. The coaches have made them good. And so uh, with Oates and Pearl, I think that those guys are into the mix there, too. I think Florida, they're kind of the same thing where Billy Donovan's what made him good, not Florida basketball, but Billy Donovan's what made him good. And they've had some success here and there. And Who knows? Todd Golden may do a really good job with them. But, you know, they're just based on really that one coach that was able to make them uh, highly relevant. I think LSU is kind of the same way. Uh, I think that they are actually, you know what? i take that back. i take that back. I'll save LSU for a second. because I, I got a specific thing about them, but a uh, and is kind of the same way as, as far as that goes, where they've had some success, could have some high level success, but probably not going to they have some good, they have the ability to have good coaches and to pay a lot of coaches and everything. I know they're having a good year this year, but I still don't uh, think that they're like a high level basketball team. And then you have the next, tier of programs that i think i think this is my opinion with the right coaches and the right people in place that has everything where there's not a weakness in the armor like at all there's nothing about them that will keep them from winning a national championship if they just have the right people in place i feel like of course arkansas is one of those places for sure as it's been proven kentucky 100 is that place i think tennessee is that place as much as i hate tennessee i think that they absolutely have all the amenities and ability to be that team I think LSU, honestly, is, is that. LSU, when they're not having Will Wade as their coach and pros and problems, I think that they have all the uh, abilities and the things that they need to win a national championship and at least to compete for a national championship. Uh, and so I'm not saying that those are the programs that are ranked in that way, but I'm just saying that it's got a lot of different things for them that, uh, like I said, look good but could go well. But regardless, the point is, is that the SEC has elevated their game and there's a lot of great coaches in here. As much as I know that, like, I know, like I know, Eric Musselman and Nate Oats do not like each other. You know, I know that uh, other coaches like don't like each other in this conference. In fact, I feel like most people and most coaches probably don't like Mus. In fact, the only coach I feel like probably gets along with Muss is Calipari, if you can believe it, because there's a lot of similarities with their NBA mindset of how they go about it. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, funny how that goes. But it's great. It's great. It's great for the conference. It's great to be able to have a, a lot better basketball than what we had. When was it 15 years ago when it was like Kentucky and then Florida pretty much. And then that was it. Like everybody was just trash. So yeah, I've come a long way and it's gotten better, but hopefully it continues to get better. We're going to talk a little baseball, do a little preview of the weekend coming up here on the locked on Razorbacks podcast. So stay with us. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, uh, Arkansas baseball is going to be starting their home opener series. Is that how we want to say it? That's how I'm going to say it. It's their home series opener, however everyone put it. Eastern Illinois is going to be coming up. And uh, Eastern Illinois is a team that they've played a few times, pretty familiar with. Uh, They're one of the better teams in the Ohio Valley Conference. And like I said, Arkansas has welcomed them in uh, quite a few times. Uh, Eastern noise, three and O, uh, and last year went 30 and 20 and also uh, finished in the uh, OVC tournament. But still, Jason Anderson's been there a long time. In fact, I had him on my radio show yesterday. Really cool coach and, and really cool to talk with him and talk about his team and everything. But uh, a few things that uh, it's actually was interesting because 35 times have these teams met. This will be the 35th meeting. And all of them have taken place in Fayetteville, and the Razorbacks are 32-2. and So in the 34 games, they're 32-2. and The Panthers' most recent victory came in 2016, which uh, was the program's first win under Anderson when he was the head coach. So, again, lots of history between. But I like how Dave Van Horn is sticking this weekend with the same weekend rotation that he had down there in Arlington, where he's going to have Hagen Smith as his uh, go-to guy. He's going to have Will McIntyre come in, the right-hander, in game two. And then game 3 going gonna have Hunter Holland. I think Dave Van Horn sees that as kind of his guys. Now, Hagan Smith, bona fide ace, no questions asked. He's the dude. Uh, you could tell he was gonna be the dude last year, and he's gonna be the dude this year. He's gonna be the guy that they rely on. And I even think Hunter Holland in game three, and that on that Sunday series guy, that Sunday guy, I, I really liked what he did down there in Arlington. Now, granted, it was against Oklahoma State, and you know, there's a lot of uh you know, uh, things about all oh, game three and those types of games and those events, people trying to get out of there, whatever it is. I don't care because Oklahoma State's a great offensive team and he did a really good job uh, shutting him down early. So I like him and Will McIntyre. I do like I really do like Will McIntyre. I especially like the way he came on late last year. He was very pivotal to that run into the College World Series. So I like his stuff, but I still think that little spot might be open. Now, who are they going to try? Who are they going to throw in there? Uh, I, I'm not sure, but I'm hoping Will McIntyre can get it going. And maybe this is the series where he kind of settles in and starts having a, a great performance and solidifies himself. Because I think, again, he's got some really good stuff. And that gives you a left-hander, a right-hander, and a left-hander as far as the, the weekends go. So I'm, I'm hoping it sticks with that. But I think Arkansas's offense will continue to get going. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a chillier weekend up there in northwest Arkansas. So you know maybe that will affect the offense a little bit more. But uh, i might like to see the bullpen get involved. You know, uh, we know that Tigert has been really good so far this year. Uh, I like that, you know, some of the other new guys that they're going to try to get in there and get into the mix. But I'm also going to be curious about the lineup and seeing uh, what uh, what it looks like. And You know, like for third base, is it going to be Cali or, you know, are they are going to go a different direction there? How are they going to adjust who's batting when? So a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting questions going to be coming up uh, in this weekend in baseball. But hopefully Arkansas takes care of business and continues to be a uh, great baseball team and Gets all their stuff in before the SEC season starts because it'll be here before we know it. It's amazing how fast it moves. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Buzz John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel next Monday. How about that? Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you then.